The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 13th chapter. Jesus said, In those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all of these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. <clears throat> but, about, <clears throat> excuse me. but about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware. Keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So yesterday, my wife Amy uh, went to a baby shower for uh, actually the oldest um, nephew or niece on my side of the family. So this is the first he and his wife are expecting. This is the first child being born to that next generation, our children's generation on either side of the family, my, my side or Amy's side. I imagine many of you have been to baby showers, so I wanna begin by asking you, if you go to a baby shower, what are some of the feelings that you uh, experience or have? Uh, this is not a rhetorical question. Feel free to shout some out. What's that? Joy. Excitement. Excitement. Happy. Happy. Anticipation. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Oh, that's a good, that's a new one. Good. Anyone else? Celebration. So, okay, excellent. Celebration. Yes, those are all uh, the kinds of words I would assume that we would think of. And of course, I think of this uh, baby shower not only because my wife went to one yesterday, but because, uh, as I mentioned in my announcements, as you heard with Tricia, this is the first Sunday of Advent when we are anticipating a birth, right? So all those same feelings you would think would apply, um, and yet you come to church on this first Sunday of Advent, and you hear Bruce read, I'm not blaming you, Bruce, by the way, um, <laughs> you hear him read the second part of the 13th chapter of Mark, uh, it's called the part, it's part of the Olivet Discourse because Jesus is at the Mount of Olives and he's talking in the first half with his disciples about the destruction of the temple. And then we get to verse 24 where um, the reading starts for today. And, then, and we hear Jesus saying this, but in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, light 
and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And we think, what is going on here? I mean, among other things, can I ask, I assume you've brought cards to baby showers in the past. Anyone here feel like they would include that verse on a card for a baby shower? That's, I'm going to guess that's a no. <laughs> so, and yet here we are again. We're in this season of expectation and hope. So why do we read this passage? And I want to give... Um, they may seem like obvious and simple answers, but sometimes I think it's important to ask the obvious questions and respond with the obvious answers. So uh, a couple of the obvious answers are, we are not expecting just any child, you know, as important as our niece and nephew's child is. Um, we're not expecting a child like that. We are expecting the birth of the Son of God, of the Word made flesh, of Emmanuel, God with us. So it's special for that reason. And this is also really important and significant. This child is being born um, for a purpose, to fix the world. And in fact, these verses from the beginning of this uh, section of the reading that Jesus reads or, or is sharing with his disciples are from Isaiah, from the Old Testament, and from the prophet Daniel. Uh, they're very strange and foreign to us, but uh, let's suffice it to say that what he's talking about is the end times when God will restore everything back to the way it should be. And Jesus is talking to his disciples about that and explaining, you're familiar with these passages? Well, it's going to be sort of like that, but different. And he's teaching them about what the Messiah will actually do, okay? So this is an unusual birth of a child coming to solve a deep, profound problem we have in the world. To underscore that point about the problem, I want to remind you of the words we all just sang together um, as the Advent wreath was being lit by Kainalu. And thank you, Kainalu, for doing that. Um, this is from a famous hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We'll sing a different verse every, every uh, week of Advent. Here are these words. They're very familiar to us. And yet I wonder if sometimes that familiarity makes us not be aware of what's actually being said. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us, and ransom captive Israel that mourns, that grieves, that's sad in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to you, O Israel. So what's being talked about here? Historically, what's being talked about is the Babylonian exile, one of the central events of the Old Testament when the people of Israel were ripped from their homeland and deported and sent into exile in Babylon, where they are now captive, where they grieve, where they are strangers in a strange land, where they are waiting to be what? Restored, ransomed, saved. Okay, so that's the historic moment. But then this becomes, like many other images in the Bible, expanded or extrapolated to, uh, to give us language to talk about the problem, the situation that Jesus has come to fix. So again, some of the biblical images, certainly for all of us, certainly Christians believe this, yes, it's exile. We are not in our true home. We need someone to bring us, to restore us to our true home. Or we are in bondage, 
and we need someone to free us. Or we are blind and we need someone to restore our sight. Or we are unhealthy and we need someone to heal us. Or perhaps most famously or most frequently we talk about sin with a capital S. Uh, We are broken and, and our relationships aren't quite right with God and with one another. And we need someone to what? Forgive us. Okay, so Jesus comes to solve those problems. How is he going to do that? In this passage we read, this strange, unusual passage, we get a hint of that, uh, and I'll, I'll point it to you out at, to you in a minute, but I will say before I, I bring this up, at Christmas Eve, folks, it'll be joyful, celebratory, fun, exciting, filled with hope and love and peace and all the other things, okay? But for 15, 16, 1700 years now, Christians have recognized, as we anticipate Jesus' birth, perhaps we should sit with the great price he paid to save, to restore, to free us, to forgive us, to give us sight. And so in this passage, there's a little foretaste of that. There are two very short parables in this passage. Uh, The second is the man going on a journey. He goes away, he leaves his slaves in charge, and this is the one about keep awake because you don't know when the master will return, right? So we hear this, uh, four very specific moments during the day that, that are lifted up in this parable. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cock crow, or at dawn. Now if you think about it, and if you continue reading in Mark and the other Gospels, you will discover that those four times of the day correspond precisely to what? The passion and death of Jesus, who gives his life. Yes, of course, he's born, but then he ultimately gives his life to accomplish all of that saving work for you. Right, So uh, he gathers his disciples for the Last Supper at evening. Judas betrays him at midnight. Peter denies him famously when the cock crows. And at dawn, he's handed over to the authorities, to Rome, to Pilate, who will put him to death. So in this passage, we get both a statement of the problem, something is wrong, and it needs to be fixed, and the Messiah has come to do it, to fix it. And we also get an anticipation of how Jesus is going to accomplish that work. All right, let me bring us back to this uh, baby shower idea as I conclude here. When you go to a baby shower, you know, you bring gifts, you celebrate, you have a card that probably doesn't include language from Mark chapter 13. Um, And you do what? You surround the, the, the new family with your love. And you're effectively saying, we're part of your community. We want to support you as you begin this new chapter of life. And in a very similar way, I think it's not inappropriate to think about as we anticipate Jesus' birth, that we as Jesus' followers are invited to do what? Support his ongoing work. And I wanna lift up two ways that we can think about that. The first is in our own personal lives, okay? Again, this is a season of of anticipation, of waiting and watching. Knowing that Jesus has come to redeem us, to free us, to give us sight, to heal us, to save us, to forgive us, first, use this time to reflect on how you need Jesus to do those things for you personally. This is not about judgment, my friends. 
It's about coming into this place honestly, recognizing, as I've said before, that the church is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. By our very presence here, we are acknowledging, Jesus, we need your help. So be more explicit and open about that during this season of Advent, trusting that the Savior will come for you. And the second point is sort of a more outward-facing one. We talk frequently, because it's true, about how we are the hands and feet of Christ. This Advent, allow God to use you to be the eyes of Christ looking out into a hurting world as well. And observe where in the orbit of your life there might be a need for reconciliation or restoration or healing or sight being given or forgiveness and allow God to use you as an agent of God's light and love. We will discuss more about this in the weeks to come during Advent, but for now, join me in a word of prayer. Good and loving God, we are grateful for this season of waiting and watching, and we do anticipate your birth with joy and excitement and anticipation. We also acknowledge today, though, all of the ways that we are broken and all of the ways that the world is broken, and we pray you will come to us again during this Advent season to restore us, to renew us, to give us sight, to heal us and to forgive us so that we can shine your love back out to a hurting world. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.